It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everyone. This is the No Off Days podcast, the podcast where myself and Louis Satsman come together after our pieces are printed and the second watch has been done to talk about the Raptors game. So here we are. Game five in the books, now 3-2 in the series. Uh, we are a Joel Embiid game winner away from this thing being flipped on its head, which is pretty crazy, all things considered. 103-88, to the best defensive game of the series so far by either t- team time. And uh, so my first question, what the hell did you think of that game, sir? That game, more than any since looked like the Raptors team from 2018-19, right? From that championship run. It was the attention to detail from every player who stepped on the court was immaculate. Like I could count on two hands the number of mistakes anybody made. You know, Kem took two bad angles as the helper around the rim. Gary Trent one time got caught in the middle as the as the low man in the weak side of the pick and roll. It's like when you can count that number, it's incredible. Usually they have like three or four mistakes of possession, like an average NBA team. It was uh, unbelievable, that performance from the entire team. Given what's asked of players to compete in this defense and to make it work, that was one of the most gripping defensive games performances I've ever seen in my life it's uh it is a tight wire act and everybody one after the other coaxed each other along gave in words of encouragement and everybody made it across and the balancing act of allowing gaps and filling them it's almost like a you know an assembly line how it's it's so robotic the way that it yeah. there's no wasted motion it's like boom psh, boom psh, boom psh. those are the type of rotations the raptors are making into the gaps defensively and it's just like imagine being Tyrese Maxey who's swimming in all this space in game 1 and game 2 and then you get into game 5 and every time you see a gap you put that dribble down and you're immediately obliged told pick that dribble up shoot it or whatever whatever awaits, you know, shoot it past it. But you're definitely not making any headway because there's a guy rotating, and now there's a guy leaking down from the perimeter to shade. But he can also catch back out to the perimeter if you make the pass there. Like Because they're gigantic. They're big. They're large. Long boys, and the, as it were. The, sh- the shading, like Scotty Barnes and OG, I think are the two guys most often who are asked to be that, you know, second guy behind the ball and they're just they are i remember reading an incredible piece from mike prada 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 mike prada for uh, copyright anthony, purposes yeah from anthony davis <laughs> from about anthony davis and how he mirrored steps I, we've mentioned this piece before how he mirrored steps as a defender and uh, one of the just incredible defensive performance it was from the nba finals when they won and uh the raptors I mean, Precious does that as the rim helper, but Scotty and OG are mirroring steps, mirroring movements as that sort of shader 
like pre-rotating with the ball and recovering. It's incredible. It's a tight, tight, high wire. It's a high rope, tight wire act, but they're sprinting across the thing. They're not walking. They're not crawling. They're just like sprinting easily. They're the guy in the, in uh, squid games who just could tell the difference between tempered glass and non-tempered glass. They can just, they're incredible. Remarkable. That's I've been searching for high wire, tightrope, whatever the hell. I have not found the proper verbiage all season, although I have alluded to that, that saying that whatever colloquialism, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? However many times this year, I have not found it. I don't know if we found it today, but yes, a tightrope, high wire, whatever the hell it is. The Raptors are doing it. Now let's talk about offense because okay. so I there's been when a star player struggles which Pascal Siakam did in game three. And we talked about that after game three. Mm-hmm. I, we certainly, we weren't, uh, you know, just destroying him, ripping him to shreds or anything like that. But his shortcomings were mm-hmm. were talked about. And so he's now come back with two games. One was really, really impressive. Relied on getting to the free throw line. Got some good whistles. Got some whistles we thought he deserved. But this game, two free throw attempts. Just... Seven assists, two turnovers. Could have had a triple-double fairly easily if the Raptors hit their open three-point shots. I think Any three-point w- shots. Once again, I think they're under 30% on open three-point shots or something like that. And it's it's maybe close to 31% on the series. What what did you think of his offensive, like the development across this series and how he's handled the changing 76ers defense? Man, superstar amongst superstars. Mm-hmm. You know how great shirt, by the way. I just noticed that lovely, phenomenal shirt. Wait, wait. Can we get a close up of that real quick? Oh, that's beautiful. We also, for those who are unaware, are minute basketball uh, on <laughs> indefinite hiatus without us really discussing it. ATM, but uh, pursuing uh, the paid work currently. Yeah, that's we're what we decided paid labor to do. Yeah. Uh, it was in the All Star game where one player just decides to separate himself. And all the other stars in the NBA uh, take a back seat to Steph Curry or LeBron James or Giannis, whoever it may be. That has been Siakam. Everyone, the stars, Harden, Embiid, Maxi, everyone is taking a back seat to his brilliance at the moment. Uh, his diet from game four to game five uh, simplified. Uh, catch and shoot threes, lovely. Love to see him working those in. I don't care that he makes them. I mean, it's great that he makes them, but like to see him taking a couple. It's good to have a few of those. He's had none in the past few games. Uh, transition attempts, really good, useful way to to get easier shots without Embiid eating you up. Uh, you know, he he got a couple more easier attempts in the half court. Uh, Scotty Barnes really helped sort of loosen things up. And then the assault was just so incredible so ferocious for three quarters because both teams are on a high wire and if anyone slips the tumble is absolute and the Sixers fell they, they fell off the high wire and Siakam got layup after layup uh, blew past Embiid and it was just game over the wall completely dissolved um, but even before that I, I really liked the offensive process maybe even more than game four which was already a superstar performance yeah, tell me if I'm shoehorning this in here, but shoehorn is, away, baby. Let's say the 
the down games of this of this series were maybe the Tampa season, where you see the processes there. You see kind of what's happening. But Pascal has always seemed like a player who assesses and responds. He isn't because he doesn't have the the pick and roll pull up three and all that kind of stuff. And especially since he was forced into this starring role because a team that would have maybe been a dynasty wasn't. If Kawhi Leonard stays, who knows what the Raptors are, but he didn't so that everything gets shaken up. The the hierarchy of shooting. The long-term plan of what they wanted from Siakam changed immediately when, when Leonard left. Yes, that's exactly it. And so he's always seemed like somebody who's really strong at assessing the floor, finding his spot, almost like a coach would be, right? Like we talk about coaching and adjustments in the playoffs and, you know, you take the first bunch, then you give yours back and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you punch first and you just keep punching. But Siakam has responded very, very intelligently to this 76ers defense. Uh just not being not being a guy who turns it over. He seems he seems to have a really great read for where they're going to rotate from. A great yep. in in the first couple of games that stunt from Danny Green would maybe bother him. In it game, was bothering him. Yeah, in game five, virtually no effect. It's he kind of knew what the game was. He knew how to to navigate it. I just so so impressive. And then as you said, one of the biggest critiques you can make of Siakam in the playoffs over all these years is do not let your three-point shot go to the wayside. Even if it's yeah. going in or not, do not let teams take that away or the or the context take that away. And so to see him kind of return to right, right away, right? Like that swing goes up top, catches in rhythm, hits the three, and you're like, okay, this could be really good because it just it kind of changes the complexion of how they have to respond to his closeouts, as few of them as he gets, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah really impressive game. I want to ask you about Scotty, though, because that was your, that was yeah. your piece. The clunk. The clunk. So, I mean, before Scotty, uh, I want to uh, respond to a comment that I know neither of us liked. Uh, it's Nate Duncan talking about the Raptors. And he's been thoroughly dissolved for this, saying the Raptors are an <laughs> unintelligent team. Just oh, like dude. In, in a vat of acid, right? But I think uh, that only can happen. You can only say that about the Raptors if you're not, if you're watching the game in the spreadsheets, right? If you are watching the game through the percentile ranks and cleaning glass rather than what happens on the floor. Because yes, Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi all take analytically unfriendly shots. Lots of pull-ups, lots of mid-rangers, shots that they are not elite, like Kawhi Leonard level elite at, although Pascal might be at the moment. Um, But... If you actually watch what's happening on the floor, their ability to respond to stimuli and figure out what needs to happen is incredible. It's because the Raptors don't run an offense that makes things easy on its players. It's very hard. It's an offense for PhD level players in many ways, just because of personnel uh, limits. And they have responded like PhD caliber thinkers. And there's just it, – it is a team of basketball uh, uh, geniuses. Their ability to think through the game, what we've seen in the last two games, has been incredible. And I just wanted to take a moment to shout out the the IQ level because it's been questioned on some of these guys. Well, when we – there's a perfect play, right, is that you have this idea 
because you know, as you're talking about Nate Duncan grouping in Precious and and Boucher, I think in particular as low IQ players, and the the sooner we drop like IQ out of it, it's the crazy. better probably. Um, but Boucher after the Raptors score an own goal, and then Scotty immediately comes up and turns the ball over, takes a charge in transition, takes a charge, reads the yep. play a developing transition play and takes the charge and gave the Raptors a significant breather. That's huge. That is worth its weight in gold. And it's, it's the same thing when, when people were really upset and made the Chris Boucher terrible game against Cleveland on boxing day, a referendum on who he was because everybody on the Raptors was missing with COVID. It's like, just take into account what's happening on the floor. Assess these guys when they get to play their role, because trying to respond to a new role and new asks at the NBA level. What, what did you think Chris Boucher was just going to dominate the Cavs or something? You know, yeah. it's, it's like, we just, we just need to be a little bit more patient with players. And the same thing could be said to bring it back to Pascal. What we were talking about is like how many people after game three were like, he's he, this, he's not the guy. And it's like the trade machine maybe, fans, right? It's like, maybe drop your idea of guy because you change what it looks like every four days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe maybe try and assess what players are doing good and bad. And when Pascal Siakam has, you know, a bad second half scoring against the 76ers, take solace in the idea that, oh, he was fantastic on defense and yep. he's a really great offensive player. I expect the bounce back. What did we get? Two games in a row. Like just tip top play. Yeah. So you you can ask for stuff to be better, but these sweeping declarations of he's not that guy, he's, you know, it's it's tired. But Scotty. The clunk. Yes, which actually works well because we talk, you know, a lot of that conversation, the reason why these criticisms are lobbed incorrectly but lobbed is because of the clunk of the offense, I think. that That's a lot of what is is the, the source of these criticisms of Pascal and Boucher and others. And Scotty is the, the bomb, right? He, he is the icy hot pack on the aching joints of the Toronto Raptors offense. Uh, and he didn't even have his best game. I thought his game was kind of average for Scotty Barnes, which is an exceptional basketball performance. Don't get me wrong. At the NBA level, exceptional. For Scotty Barnes, he could play better. He could play worse. But his presence on the floor changes everything. And it's because the Raptors have so few players able to achieve the required roles. Right now, only Pascal can initiate. That's just the way it is. He's the only one able to sort of start sets, get things going. The offense was terrible with him off the floor. It Just the process, bizarre. OG Ananobi, for as good as he is at, at post-ups and at passing and at all these other, you know, self-creation in between things, right now he's one of two shooters on the Raptors. He is the best shooter on the team, even though he's in a little bit of a cold streak. And they need him behind the arc because that's just no one else can do that. And so as a result, off-ball rim pressure is just non-existent. Um, Precious Chua likes to take threes. Ken Birch is just being completely ignored. Uh, Thad Young likes to operate in the high. It's just Chris Boucher brings a little bit, bit of it. He doesn't play all that much. And so it fell to Scotty Barnes to sort of, uh, post up mismatches. He ate against Maxi, which we discussed as an option uh, after game four. And then the entire defense shaded to stop him getting from the ball in the post against Maxi. Boom, that's a win. You can get easy buckets out of that. 
he ducked in on the baseline, um, which I asked Nick Nurse about. He gave me some really thoughtful response. Um, you know, for for he cut in for a dunk from Pascal. He had a nice little uh, connection pass for a three. Uh, on top of the transition stuff, the defense. He just he is. You know how we discussed Pascal being the liquid cement Terminator from Terminator Two. Right. He's able to fill the cracks on defense. Scotty Barnes does that on offense. He is the liquid that is putting the things together. And other people could be the liquid, but they're busy doing other things. And there's a reason why the team has started winning games with Scotty Barnes playing again. Also, it's uh, really, really important that the Raptors are now getting turnovers defensively and that Scotty Barnes is occupying fast breaks more often than... Fred was, and more often than Gary Trent Jr. was. Yeah. If and I don't, I don't mean I won't belabor this, but if you've been watching this series, then you know how destitute a contested transition attempt for Gary Trent Jr. can be. Some of those possessions are pretty hairy. Getting Scotty Barnes and his genius interpretations of the floor, Two points. like automatic pan- panning, he'll figure it. He'll find the pass, or he'll find the bucket. Uh, to interrupt just very briefly, I Gary had one really impressive. Um, transition play where he pulled back, probed, went side to side with his dribble, and I think swung to the other side for that was Pascal's second three. I I might be mistaking plays, but he had one impressive semi transition sort of uh, play, which, you know, if we're going to criticize, let's also appreciate when he has good moments in transition as well. And and also just uh, he, he had two shots heading downhill, not, not in, yeah. not in the second half, but in the first half, like Gary, he loves that crab dribble. He likes to put the guy yeah. on his hip. He do, He's not going to try and burst into the lane and finish over a guy. So he likes to go slow and keep everybody at his pace. And getting to that right-handed hook or hook, that right-handed push shot was, yeah. was really nice. So to see him find encounters, really great, especially when he and OG uh, aren't shooting that well from three and are getting run off the line. There needs to be some sort of response. And Gary, you know, a little bit of playmaking yesterday and a little bit of yeah. shot making off the bounce too so that was that was really nice to see and a couple really tough ones as well so yeah well done gary just really need that for the last two games that catch and shoot three point jumper to come around same with og that is that is massive uh precious precious situa holy smokes uh for the people who are paying attention this has been the case all series kind of it's just with fred out Pascal is doing more. Everybody's doing a little bit more. And Precious ends up as the guy who, when the ball swings and it settles and it's him and Embiid, Embiid is sweating. And that sweat, you know, is he, he feels it, man. Like the temperature goes up in that building. Last night, Precious, he was the last media member to talk. And there were there was a question about office, uh, offensive process and he, Gave, you know, uh, an answer. And then someone just asked off the cuff. He was like, when you get the ball against Embiid, you're looking to attack. He just said, yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah, man. It looks like food to him. He's a goddamn killer. Like, no fear. No fear of looking like a fool. No fear of getting blocked, of getting turned over. We talked about. Uh, the value, or I, I was on um, the Raptor show with uh, with Will and uh, and Alex yesterday, and I talked about the value of Thad just being a guy who tries stuff rather than deferring. 
throw a bounce pass. You know, just try something. Precious is going to do something, man. He's going to bust you off the dribble no matter what happens. He had 17 points. Like, that is unbelievable. Uh, 19, I mean, if you count in his scoring thigh balls only two points. <laughs> he, precious, no Precious, this series over. Like, that's how good he's been. In four, yeah. In four. Yeah. Well, that's... Everybody who was paying attention knew this would be the case. Maybe maybe not offensively on Embiid strictly, but that he would punch because it, it started happening quite He'll a bit. Punch not, only, not only was he shooting threes, but that dunk he had where he came baseline and Harden got a piece of it, but he still dunked it. We saw a lot of that post-All-Star yeah. break. It's put the ball on the floor. He's a great athlete. The The coordination issues that were very persistent early in the season are like gone. Which is great. Kinetic genius to be able to get rid of stuff that fast. Right. I don't know how he did it, but it's gone. And yeah, being able to punch gaps, shoot the three, which hasn't been a massive part of his game, but has been enough that everybody kind of sits back and says... He's getting run off the line. Yes. Which, that's all you want. Because Precious going downhill has turned out to be, you know, this very, very radical thing for the Raptors offense. And so... And then defensively, uh, once again, anybody who's been paying attention... Precious, as good as Siakam has been, as good as OG has been, the fact that Precious Achua is in a series with one of the most dominant big men of the century so far, and he's being talked about like maybe he's the best defender in the series right now, that is of note. Like, big font, big note, man. That's huge. You and I were big on Pre- – we, we were Precious Pilled very, very early. We've been yeah. talking how good he is for a long time. Years. Uh, his, his defense especially, we were very uh, aware of how incredible. I don't know about you, but even I am surprised. Not that surprised. I'm a little surprised about how truly series-altering his defense has been. I'm not surprised about that, actually. It's crazy. It like We both picked probably the Toronto's to win. best defender. Yeah, we both. Wait, yeah, that's true. Wait, wait. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. You picked the Raptors to win. Probably yeah. did you see? You saw a better Fred series then. I, I saw a better Fred series. I saw Precious Man. I like. I just was like this guy. I I didn't. I didn't expect a good Fred series. I expected an okay to mediocre yeah. Fred series. But I was like Precious, and I thought that the regular, you know, you can wipe away regular season film as soon as it's no longer relevant but I thought the film was relevant. I, I did yeah. breakdowns. I, I watched so much of Precious at the point of attack on MB. Yeah, yeah. And everything in that said to me, repeatable. And then through the first few games, Embiid was just incredible. And the Raptors as a, you know, as a whole defensively failed on many different occasions, whether it was transition or whether it was, you know, in broken plays and stuff like that. But when Precious gets to line up across from Embiid and they get to do the mano a mano stuff, he... He's not batting a thousand, but he's batting a thousand. Like he's doing, he's doing everything and more. Blows my mind. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I saw a better Fred series. Uh, I also saw a worse Tobias Harry series. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So I saw what I saw was Fred in the first quarter against the Miami Heat when he had more cause to play in the regular season than he had since he had made the All Star game. He was like, I'm going to just bust Kyle 
in his return, I'm a, I'm, mm. I'm going to take the record for threes. And he hit like three or four threes in the first quarter, in the first half of the first quarter. I was like, okay, when he has the cause, he can turn up. Like I know he's hurt, but I thought he'd be able to turn up like that. And so I was basing it on really that quarter. Um, I should have based it on the rest of the game when he did struggle. <laughs> I well, I thought he would be better than he had been, but I didn't. I didn't expect the. I expected the catch and shoot stuff to kind of even out, although it it didn't. Yeah. But yeah, Fred. If the Raptors make it to the next round, he's going to be so 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 important. I don't. Need, I don't know if he's out for the series. I don't know if he's out for Game Six. It doesn't look good, but yeah, Fred. He's such a good player. It's been a little bit disappointing, but yeah, there's if been a bunch Fred of were, stuff. If Fred were healthy right now, with the level at which the Raptors are playing, I would be calling for a Raptors championship. That's <laughs> like that's how good they are. Yeah this 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 defense makes it really because not only is the defense giving up a 94 defensive rating, but it's also generating runouts, and that makes the offensive process as clunky as it might be you know, a lot better, especially when Scotty Barnes is the guy with the ball in hand and you have guys willing to run out and stuff like that. And you have Pascal Siakam dotting Thad Young against a zone and Thad Young getting that Mm. maxi post up. And then you have Mm. Precious making that 45 cut to the front of the rim. It's just like this team is doing things that they were not doing. And that, that that is exactly what you want out of playoffs is for it to engender these types of great basketball yeah. responses from a team that's as a fan, right? That's why they talk about playoff basketball. It's a different animal. It makes you go to things you wouldn't. And the Raptors just keep finding things. <laughs> Here it so is. I wanted to, to bring up Chris talking about finding things. Chris Boucher uh, leads the team in on off rating. They have <laughs> just demolished the Sixers with him on the floor and they've got busted in the mouth. They've lost a, by a lot with him on the bench. Uh, man, uh, just Chris Boucher, do you, is this the best we've seen? Is this him finding things? This is what we were talking about for half the season. You and I, anyway, right? There we like, go. I, it was January when I wrote that, like, Chris Boucher, this dude is kicking ass all over the place piece. Yeah. And it, it was so evident. And it's not, you can cheat your way to good analysis sometimes by looking at who wins the minutes. But Chris Boucher, it was the film, it was winning minutes, and then it was just winning every possible minute on the floor for months on end. And then, you know, the way he's, the the foothold he's found in this defense, he's really, really strong on that end. The willingness to, to be like a, a selfless cutter to support actions, you know, a selfish cutter to punctuate actions. And, yeah, you know. The cutting. Very good. Yeah, he's. Chris Boucher is he is the guy who benefits most from these new ideals that have taken hold yeah. with the Raptors. And it's just awesome to see a guy like that so well used in a scheme. This is this blocks, is a perfect marriage. How many blocks does he have on Harden right now? I don't know. It's actually like four, four or three or four, I think. And Harden used to be unblockable. Yeah. Un, like totally, he would either dunk on your head, he would throw a lob, he would finish a totally uncontested layup, or he would kick out for a three. Those were the only four options if he hit the paint. And Chris Boucher has made it two options. 
I block you or I take a charge. <laughs> well, Harden it used to put you in the stanchion, right? He'd be so oh, quick. Yeah. Then he then he'd see you're trying to catch up. He'd let you catch up to the point where and it's then, a foul, and then you get that that front shoulder, right? And then you'd be in the stanchion, and he'd finish. You know, two feet on the ground like Kyle Lowry, little baby layups, stuff yeah. like that. Um, Chris Boucher, yeah, he's found really great timing hanging out uh, to kind of contest the the post entries, the drives, and then that the democratic rim protection system, right? Kind of sliding over. It has it's, Harden refusing to attempt layups. Yeah, he's over. He was it. shooting. He's just not. He had an uncontested layup last night. He heard ghost footsteps and he swung to a weak side three that got tipped because the Raptors were just playing him for the pass. They're they are completely pay, playing him for the pass right now, and he's just he's they're blocking him when he tries to hurt them for it. It's crazy, man. Very very impressive. Uh, I feel like we did most of this game. Is there anything else we should hit on regarding these Raptors? Yeah, Kem, Kem uh, so, really good first stretch. I didn't like. Yeah, his that's second, what I wanted to. I didn't like his second half stretch because the offense he, he really tanked it. But uh, the yeah. first half, I thought he was phenomenal. It made me say, "Wow, great idea to start Kem." And that's really tough to do considering Precious is the other guy, right? So yeah, awesome. Uh, so I heard from uh, Will Lou. The theory of starting Kem is uh, Embiid comes out with the most energy to start games, obviously. And he's a bull in a china shop trying to draw fouls, trying to get to the rim. You want Kem to take that hit, not Precious. Uh, which actually makes some sense to me. Uh, I wanted to j- ask generally, do you think, as long as Fred uh, is not playing, do you think the rotation from game five was ideal for the Raptors? Or is there anything that you would still tinker with? Honestly, no. I was I was really happy with it. And... The only thing was Siakam being out at the end of the third quarter was hairy, very hairy stuff. But uh, you can't really get away with that. He has to rest, <laughs> you know, sometimes. I'm, I, I think Embiid's going to be playing 46 minutes in game six and seven. Like, well, I, I, I think he's going to play a lot. If game five is any indication, maybe that's not it for the 76ers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Embiid was so gassed, they ran zone, an ineffective zone, to yeah. protect him because the Raptors kept pulling him out in isolation. and Attacking was, him at the rim was such a genius choice for games four and five. Pretty transformative, yeah. And so, and offensively, like, it's, he's going through the ringer right now, dude. Every possession. The, no wonder his, he had those comments post-game where he's, it's veiled criticism of Harden, right? And he's oh yeah, because he's alone right now. And he's like, "Dog, I have to be able to just toss the ball out to you, and you gotta score." And yeah, you have to every, do something. Yeah, please, for the love of God, help me. My life is so hard right now, and so if MB does play those minutes, I don't expect the same punch. Of course, guys can just you pack it in for one game and you figure it out or two games or whatever. But he didn't for game five. In game five, it's, he didn't have the juice. The Sixers are the candle meme right now, where it's like, please help me budget. You know, my family is starving, like $1,000 <laughs> some candle. That's the Sixers. Because, look, we talked about possible Sixers adjustments after game four, because I thought they were scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I like, where do they go from here? 
it just the Raptors have this series by the horns, and I see no way for the Bull to get out of this headlock. Superstars. That's that's what it is. Like yeah. that's Embiid has that's to their hit his answer. Right. That's their answer is Embiid makes that their defensive process futile, and that's them's the breaks. You know, the Raptors, they they don't have much of a chance of stopping it. They they deter him for so long that it eventually becomes a stoppage. But if he's shooting like game three, we saw that second half where he closed out. It was really great. So that's their hope. And Harden turning back the clock. Maybe Maxi accesses the young superstar game, right? That Anthony Edwards has. Floaters. Something like that, right? He missed his first shot at the rim, by the way. Yeah. Because yeah. he missed because he missed one in game four, but he tipped it in right afterwards. Yeah, so he yeah, was, yeah, immediately. He was, he was 14 of 15 at the rim heading into game five. He finally missed one and didn't get a, t- a tip in. Finally. Uh, it's a just shot making. That's the Sixers' only counter, which, yeah. man, that's got to be scary as a coach, as a fan, as a player to not have – because they don't have other options. And the Raptors still have more that they could pull out of the, out of the bag. What if what if Doc Rivers comes out and says, "Well, I haven't played DeAndre yet in this series." Like what? He might. <laughs> he might. But the like, you know, we Scotty Barnes in the post. They they went away from that after the first quarter. They can do a lot of that, right? They they, they have a lot to offer offensively that they know will work. They can run uh, different iterations of pick and rolls. Uh, th- th- there's more. And they've, they're saving it. Nick Nurse has always run these playoff series with an eye to fo- – like he doesn't care how many games he loses. He's willing to toss games to get an idea of what's going to work. My, game, two, uh, he, my f- game two is an automatic <laughs> – uh, I'm pissed about that, but game, they, game two is lost. My friend T. So there's a meme that says, uh, I just messaged my landlord to raise my rent. Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I believe in my hustle so much. <laughs> that that and was good. Yeah, and T was like, this kind of reminds me of the Raptors going down 3-0, <laughs> which is so <laughs> such a good yeah. joke. But it uh the the title of this podcast is you know a collision course with history. The Raptors, if things hold, they have not, you know, Doc Rivers made it sound like in post-game, like, oh yeah, the Raptors, they just hit everything they wanted to. That was their secret. And while there was he did, yeah. And while there was some shot making performance by the Raptors, for sure, it was just Pascal. The Raptors are leaving a lot on the table via shot making. So the Raptors have Pascal been Pascal made the- one quarter of the Raptors threes in game five. He made two, the team made eight. There is a lot of meat left on those bones, man. Kem Birch, baby. That that was everybody <laughs> yeah. and their mom when Kem Birch hit that three said to their buddies beside them, said to their friends, you know, over text, we got a cam three. We cannot waste this game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, and that's, yeah. anyway. So, yeah, shot making. Paul Reed hit a three in game four. You know, it's not like the Raptors Two, are not. Right? Well, Two. one was garbage time, that was. Um, the, the Raptors are not on the plus side of variance at the moment. They're just not. Like, sure, the Sixers might get a lot of variance and might win the series, but that's what it takes because the Raptors aren't cooling down. This is not, this is a very sustainable uh, approach to agriculture at the moment. Yes. 
That's right. This this is a this is one of those civilizations that has like a, an era rather than you know a trend. You know, the hobbits. Like- we said we were going to talk about Lord of the Rings. This is the Shire right now, man. They're just they're growing mushrooms. They're eating happy. They don't like them wizards. We got no time for their shenanigans. They're just this is sustainable. Who's the disturber of the peace? Is is it Nick Nurse? Is he the Gandalf character? Yeah, he's the guy dragging them hobbits off to war. And when he tanked game two, you're late. A wizard is never late, nor early. Yeah. He arrives yeah. precisely when he means to. That yeah, good Gandalf voice. Hey, thanks, man. I was working on it for days prior to this. <laughs> Had it in the bag. Uh, we wrote that like joke the- hours ago, by the way. Yeah, uh, brainstorming. Uh, that feels like a podcast, Lewis. How do you feel? Podcast. All right. From Lewis Satsman and the podcast merchant. Okay. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be here after game six, maybe with Blake Murphy. I'm going to keep teasing that every, <laughs> every single episode. And uh, yeah, uh, I thanks for coming on, Lewis. Once again, you're the co-host. You don't come on. You just thanks for talking to me. It's nice to talk. Listener, uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you. <laughs>